Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 10 from the World English Bible. When the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning Yahweh's name, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. And when she had come to Solomon, she talked with him about all that was in her heart. Solomon answered all her questions. There wasn't anything hidden from the king which he didn't tell her. When the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his officials, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up to Yahweh's house, there was no more spirit in her. She said to the king, It is a true report that I heard in my own land of your acts and of your wisdom. However, I didn't believe the words until I came and my eyes had seen it. Behold, not even half was told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame which I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are these your servants who stand continually before you, who hear your wisdom. Blessed is Yahweh your God, who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel. Because Yahweh loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. She gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again was there such an abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. The fleet of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir also brought in from Ophir great quantities of almug trees and precious stones. The king made of the almug trees pillars for Yahweh's house and for the king's house, harps also, and stringed instruments for the singers. No such almug trees came or were seen to this day. King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatever she asked in addition to that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own land, she and her servants. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, in addition to that which the traders brought, and the traffic of the merchants, and of all the kings of the mixed people, and of the governors of the country. King Solomon made 200 bucklers of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went to one buckler. He made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three minas of gold went to one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the finest gold. There were six steps to the throne, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were armrests on either side by the place of the seat, and two lions standing beside the armrests. 
Twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other of the six steps. Nothing like it was made in any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver, because it was considered of little value in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of Tarshish at sea with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years the fleet of Tarshish came, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. All the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart. Year after year, every man brought his tribute, vessels of silver, vessels of gold, clothing, armor, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen that he kept in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common as stones in Jerusalem and cedars as common as the sycamore trees that are in the lowland. The horses which Solomon had were brought out of Egypt. The king's merchants received them in droves, each drove at a price. A chariot came up and went out of Egypt for six hundred shekels of silver and a horse for one hundred fifty shekels, and so they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and to the kings of Syria. That is the end of chapter 10. Who was this Queen of Sheba? Sheba is a name that is first recorded in Genesis chapter 10 verse 7 as one of Ham's grandsons, Ham the son of Noah, by his son Cush. And Cush is associated with Ethiopia. But there is also a Sheba in Genesis 10.28 listed as another of the many sons of Joktan, the same Joktan who was the father of Ophir I mentioned in chapter 9's discussion. So Joktan's Sheba is about three generations later, if I counted correctly. Then there is a Sheba born from one of the sons of Abraham's second wife, Keturah, So this would be a Sheba who is Abraham's grandson, and he's spoken of in Genesis 25. And he is mentioned as also having a brother, Dedan, which is interesting because the Sheba in Genesis 10-7 also has a brother, Dedan. Then there is the Sheba who is the son of Bichri, the Benjamite, who rebelled against David pretty quickly after Absalom's rebellion was quashed. But it seems pretty clear this would not be related to the Queen of Sheba. Recall that this particular Sheba got his head chopped off and thrown over the wall. There is a place known as Sheba referred to in Job 6.19. And then in Psalm 72, which is actually written by Solomon, he mentions Sheba, but oddly only mentions the kings of Sheba. Then there's a prophecy in Isaiah 60, which includes Sheba as a place many will come from to proclaim the praises of Yahweh. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 20, um, God says that frankincense from Sheba offered is meaningless when the people have rejected his ways. Then Ezekiel talks about the merchants of Sheba, among other merchants, in both chapters 27 and 38. I know that it can be challenging for me to know what to make of these specific Bible names. They aren't part of my conversation or history in any other way. So it helps me to see where else and how they are mentioned. 
Now, this also actually includes a reference by Jesus recorded in both Matthew 12.42 and Luke 11.31. And I will link to an Answers in Genesis article that makes the case that biblically the kingdom of the South, as Jesus calls it, is in Egypt. And they reference Daniel 11.5. David Gusick's commentary says that Sheba is associated with with the kingdom known as Yemen currently, but um, both khouse.org and the International Study Bible Encyclopedia on studylight.org also give the Ethiopian connection more credence. Does it matter? It matters in that it verifies it is a real place and it is associated with the fulfillment of prophecies. Also, notice that Jesus treats the accounts of Solomon and the Queen of Sheba as real people, using them as an example of why he is even greater. Then consider why she came. She came about things she had heard concerning Yahweh's name. It wasn't all about Solomon. Again, Solomon was supposed to be representing God, displaying God's greatness and blessing. The Queen of Sheba came because she had heard reports reports that were getting to faraway places about this God and his kingdom. Then there was quite the exchange of royal gifts, which is impressive, but it is more impressive to me the depth of their conversation and Solomon's ability to answer all her questions. This is specifically mentioned in verse 3, although in a lot of translations that are sticking close to the original Hebrew, it's somewhat oddly worded. Uh, The NIV Bible says that translates it as nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And then she appropriately blesses, gives glory to Yahweh for what she has seen and heard, which in verse 7 is great wisdom and prosperity. And it makes me think, oh, what a history Israel could have had if they had not given into wickedness. In verse 11, this place, Ophir, is mentioned again in conjunction with Hiram, indicating things arriving there before the Queen of Sheba left. And then um, she is blessed with amazing gifts, although maybe not exactly gifts because she gets to ask for things. So maybe she asked for a couple of those harps made of this special almug tree. There is a note in the World English Bible suggesting that this may have been Indian sandalwood, which is known for its grain and pleasant scent. Verse 14 mentions this number 666 as the amount of gold that Solomon got yearly. And this number is particularly famous because of Revelation 13, 18, which references it as the number of a man and the number of the beast. It seems likely that John would have at least known of this connection with Solomon, and there are obviously numerous things written on this subject, but I pretty much view it as something that will be abundantly clear when it needs to be. God's prophecies are mysterious for various reasons, some of them being timing, some of them being our lack of understanding about history. But obviously, God can be completely relied upon to make things clear to those who need to know them, who are truly seeking him, even if we have to wait and trust for the working out of events in his timing. The rest of this chapter emphasizes Solomon's vast wealth again, including apes and peacocks. That's a strange detail. Then in a couple of commentaries that I was looking at, They tried to explain Solomon's wealth as only being possible because of forced labor. 
I think that is ridiculous, both in context and if you understand basic economics. And I will link to a couple of books on economics that I highly recommend. So first, God promised King Solomon wealth. And second, wealth is not a fixed-sized pie that only kings can amass because of their power. Peace and trade and innovation produce wealth. In verse 24, we see again that everyone was coming to Solomon. It was a perfect opportunity to teach about the goodness of God and the blessings of following God's way of living according to God's ways. But alas, in the next chapter, we will see even more clearly that Solomon did not apply his wisdom to his own life, to his morals and his devotion to Yahweh. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today but not the end of our journey.